Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mary Davis, media maven, MC, political enthusiast, dog lover, and ready to break it down after our week hiatus. I'm Jen Jordan, former, former Georgia State Senator, current mother, dog lover, and holiday. I'm on a holiday high, y'all. I think I am. I'm Terry Anulowitz, and I'm still a state representative, and I still live in House District 42, and I live here with my two dogs, who hopefully you won't hear barking in a few minutes, because someone's supposed to come work on my house. It's funny, you said 42, and it's almost 42, and it could be changing. We're going to talk about the special session, and I'm thinking of the Taylor Swift song, 22. I don't know about you, feeling 42. Ooh, I mean, you could get get sued, but dude, it may be worth it, right? It might, it might. I could make that, and if I have friendship bracelets, supplies, I can make one. All right, you're welcome. Let's talk about the special session, the maps, the cop city stuff, the anti-Semitism bills. There was a lot that went down. Um, It feels like everything that went down in the special session was designed to make Democrats uncomfortable. Okay, so before let's let's separate it out, right? Okay, let's do let's start with redistricting because really it can be put into two boxes, right? Okay, I think there's correct redistricting and maps, and then there were things that Republicans did to try to um, pit Democrats against each other, and uh, and they did it pretty successfully. But Terry, you were there on the front lines. G- give it to us. I was so there on the front lines. I don't even know where to start. So somebody said to me the other day, they're like, so Kemp signed these maps. So when do they go into effect? I was like, oh, no, sweet child, not so fast. Kemp signed these maps because that was required for them to then go to Judge Jones. Judge Jones is going to be the person who decides whether or not these maps go into effect. And when I say maps, there are three, right? There are state house maps, there are state senate maps, and there are congressional maps. And it is up to the judge to determine whether these maps that the Republicans drew actually do the very specific things he said that he wanted them to do. Now, I have my doubts about whether or not he will accept some of these maps for various and sundry reasons, particularly the congressional maps. Uh, but I just to, you know, just to put it out there, and everyone should know this if you're listening to the podcast, but I was targeted by the Republicans in the General Assembly House map drawing process. They drew me in with another Democratic colleague. They actually drew six Democrats in together and two Republicans together. Um, I'm not really losing a whole lot of sleep about the Republicans because they tend to take care of their own when they draw folks into maps like that. Like usually somebody will get an appointment, somebody gets a job, like I'm not losing too or, much. Like, or they really hate one of them, right? Or they, or they, yeah, or they're like, they've got a, I don't they're think like, that's... They're like, we're yeah. going to take you down. They, yeah. the, and that, that happens sometimes too, but I don't think that that <laughs> is this current situation. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any animus. I think it is really, ju- I think that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not making any of these, these decisions. I wasn't in the room where it happened. All I know is that they... For very, you know, whatever the reason is, and I've heard different things that range from the fact that I'm too smart or I'm too effective or, you know, they just, they're they're going after Dems, whatever it is, 
You're too uh, smart and too effective. That's right. So thank great. you for writing my mailers. Um, <laughs> I love I, that. Too smart, too effective. We elect Terry Nullowitz. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You know, it's whatever, 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 whatever. Um, it was, yeah, it was very, you know, I went through the many stages of really not grief, just stages of rage. <laughs> Well, it's kind of flattering hard. too. I mean, it's hard, oh, but it's, it's um, so not flat. I no. mean, that's what they say. They're like, well, you should be flattered that they really want you out. But right. there's something very personal about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could and see you know, that. everybody says, well, you, it's not personal. Well, you'd think it yes, was if it, it was is. you. Of course it's personal. Of course it's personal. Of course it's personal. And it is very upsetting. And it is very. What bothers me the most is that what the majority decided to do in targeting different Democrats, you know, and, you know, two of us in Cobb and then two in Gwinnett and two in DeKalb is what they're telling, what they're telling the constituents in those communities, what they're telling the stakeholders, right? The businesses, the community organizations, they're, they're saying, we do not value stability. We do not value, like in Cobb, we have a delegation that works very well together, members of both parties, to make sure that in a sea of chaos and division, we are providing stability and thoughtful policymaking and collaboration. Except for Ed Setzler. Well, go ahead. Uh, most, most, most people, <laughs> most of us. Are, he doesn't really come to delegation meetings. You know, anyway, most of us. So... And they're saying instead of valuing that, they value chaos and division. And that is not what I think business owners, voters, residents, I don't think people like that. I think they appreciate having people policy. But do they know? I mean, do they know? Does the average person even know what's going on? And that's what I think no, so hard about it. No, they no. don't. When they will don't. they find out? And uh, how, you're going to be the one to have to tell them. Right. They'll find out probably when they go vote in the primary in May of 2024 and they see two people with an I next to their name. I mm. mean, it's so I think the one word I want to jump on here, Terry, is chaos, mm -hmm. because really what you do is you take out people with real. I mean, you've been in there since 17. Mm -hmm. um, Becky, who's one of the other targeted folks, has been in there since 18, right? Mm, correct. She, yeah, she came in in 18. Did Greg Kennard come in in 18 too? I think he did, yes. Um, I mean, all of the people, the only one who's kind of, and the, the person that you've been drawn in with has a lot of experience going back. Right. I mean, he's kind of new to the house, but he had been a formerly a state senator. Right, he had been in the House also a long time ago. But it's it's one of those things where it's about chaos, right? right. Because what they want is they want uh, people to now get elected who may not have the experience, may not have the relationships. Correct. And really, people don't even know that they may or may not be running, right? And, right. And nobody will know. And then it just creates chaos because then, I mean, that is a lot of, of new people coming in, um, taking out a lot of folks with a lot of experience, um, a lot of years of service, a lot of relationships. And what they want to do is they want to make it where Democrats really aren't effective, because that's the point. They want to make Democrats like the, the party that can't do anything, or even if they're not in the majority, you know, it's really kind of a brand thing, right? It, it is. And yeah, and they don't want effectiveness. I mean, to, to, if you want to know how much they don't want effective Democrats in office, look at how the 
previous House Minority Leader Bob Trammell, who he he uh, he was he succeeded Stacey Abrams as Minority Leader, and Bob was a very effective Minority Leader, and he was so effective that the Republicans spent one million dollars to run someone against him who is and, and one of the last i mean mm-hmm. i think he was the last white male rural fo- rural, democrat. rural democrat yeah yeah and he had hung on to his seat for years because he was so well known and well liked even though he he represented a trump district like a correct a pretty significant trump district right. and those guys had to come in and drop at least a million dollars on a house a million dollars on a house seat and again, that is how far they will go to get rid of effective Democrats. And that, I believe, very sincerely is to the detriment of everyone in Georgia. Right. That's the point. So what happens mm-hmm. next? So now Judge Jones has to look at these, l- look at what's mm-hmm. going on next. And when do you think we'll hear from him? Well, there's a hearing December 20th. December right, 20th. Yes. I think I'm going to go. I think okay. I am too. I think we should all go. I told, I told my husband, I was like, you should come with me. Wait, do I have to go? No, and you would be <laughs> super bored. It's uh, and that's the thing about redistricting too. Just like the nuance of this, it's I feel like sometimes when people are like really getting down into the weeds, it's like listening to your children talk about Minecraft. It no. is so it's 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 stultifying. It, no, it's really more of a stats class, right? Yeah, because I never took a stats class. I don't know. It's very much like okay, if you move this or you move that, what are the numbers? You know, what do we do? You know, to the they call it the the VBAP, the the voting black aged population. I mean, it is a lot of statistics, and so people will like glaze over really quickly, but it is fascinating. fascinating. I'm, gl- I'm glazing over just the discussion of the hearing. <laughs> Sounds right. Mary's like, like okay, this wasn't <laughs> next, much next topic. Um, okay, next so you're, you're the the, the hearing the hearing's gonna come, and then what happens? We should after know the by hearing? the. End, I think we should know by the uh, probably by January fifteenth. I would think. I would hope so. I mean, qualifying is in March and the primary is in May. And I think what everyone down at the Capitol wants to know more than anything else is which district they're going to qualify to run in. Mm. Yeah, because the judge can also, he can say, okay, I'll accept the House maps, Senate, no, congressional, no, right? It, it, it is a la carte, as it were. If you're, that's, a, that's a Latin pun. But um, you can, you can, <laughs> you can he, you know, he might say, he might, say. And, and the thing, other thing, too, is that he doesn't have to appoint a special master. He can just say, here are your maps. We, we can, he can use the maps that are already in the opinion from the plaintiff's side. He can use, you know, there can be a special master, but I think there are a lot of unknowns. And I think that the Republicans really took a risk that I think a lot of them don't fully appreciate in putting forward maps, especially with these congressional maps, that the congressional maps are oh, cuckoo, Luke. They, they like. are the, the congressional maps are really not what the judge said he wanted. I mean, wow. it was like they all, it was like the house did theirs. Like on the spectrum, the house is the least crazy. The congressional are like they all got drunk and passed out and then said, All right. Here they are. Here are the congressional maps. I'm like, there's not any. It, rhyme or reason to them. I mean, to be quite frank, the the other maps that the, that Judge Jones struck down are actually better. Wow. So it's right. like, what are 
I'm not sure kind of what the thinking was here, guys. I can see how people veer into the conspiracy that maybe the Republicans are so loath to actually have to make the decisions they knew they'd need to make to draw maps that would pass, you know, draw congressional maps that would pass the judges muster that they just went ahead and draw. They drew a bunch of wacky maps that the judge will be like, absolutely not. Here's your maps. And then they can go back to their base and be like, sorry, guys, it's the activist judge. I see. That's interesting. Well, okay, you're going to have to keep us posted. Keep it on the Vote Her podcast because uh, Terry and Jen will give us all the updates. I mean, I just love... Mara's like, that's interesting. I'm like, I'm not really (laughs) feeling it, Mara. I'm not feeling that you think it's interesting. Are you telling us we sound like Charlie Brown's mother? Well, I think it's important that we know this information. This is the Vote Her podcast. And the, uh, the idea here is that the two of you can break this down for average folks like us. You also had to vote on... Uh, and uh, Hamas bill and um, uh, condemning Hamas and then the cop city uh, thing. Can you get into that a little bit more, Terry? Yeah. So I voted yes on both of those. Now, I also was quoted in an article in the AJC late last week about these two resolutions, which to be clear, these are not laws that we voted for. These are nothing is binding. These are just like a resolution. It's, it's just like a, a statement. It's a fancy way of saying, we think this. And, you it's know, a grandstander. Right. Like normal people would just like write something on their Facebook page, but elected officials, we will pass a resolution. Right. That's okay. All, that, okay. There, there's no difference. And so we, but the, the main difference though, is that it does put you on the record. And so, right. And what the Republicans wanted to do with both the issue of condemning Hamas and the issue of saying they support the city of Atlanta and building the police training facility is it gets puts Democrats on record. And if we flash back to a few weeks ago when the Metro Atlanta chamber had their annual meeting and Governor Kemp gave a speech, which was kind of sounded like he was endorsing Andre Dickens for governor in 2026. It was a really fascinating speech, but it was like basically a 15 minute love letter to Andre Dickens and why everybody needed to support the police training facility. Mm -hmm. And the Metro chamber kind of made it clear that their big, just like how their big issue last year was stopping Buckhead city from moving forward. And they were successful there. I think their big issue this year is getting the police training facility built and giving the mayor and the city council support on that. So flash to last week when we're in the house and we're having to vote on these resolutions. And now every Democrat from everywhere in the state, even parts of the state that have nothing to do in who's in in jurisdictions where their first responders, like no one's ever going to go near this training facility. They all have to go on the record with, do you support this or do you not support this? Now I voted yes for both of these. I voted yes for the Hamas resolution because one, Hamas is a terrorist organization. And I think it's personally, I think it's very easy to vote for that statement. When you read through the resolution, you know, I agreed wholeheartedly with probably 85 to 90% of what was written in the resolution. And a lot of the hesitation came from the fact that the resolution did not say anything to acknowledge the humanitarian tragedy and crisis that is happening in Gaza. And that's a very real thing. So going into this vote, you know that you're, as a Democrat, you knew you were going to, you have three options, right? You vote yes, you vote no, or you can take a walk and not vote at all, which is kind of different from abstaining, but kind of the same because we don't have an abstain option. So you know, no matter what you do, though, if you vote yes, you vote no, or you walk, you're going to have to explain why. And for me personally, when I was making my decision to vote on this, I knew that it was going to be 
a yes and. And my yes and was, yes, I can vote to condemn Hamas as a terrorist organization. And I can also acknowledge that there is a humanitarian tragedy happening in Gaza that needs to be addressed on a global level, right? Like that is, I don't think those two, we can walk and chew gum. I don't think those two things are independent of each other. Uh, the, re- the main reason I voted yes also is because while we're not elected to the General Assembly to really deal with any matters of foreign policy, I am there to be a voice for my constituents and I'm chair of the delegation of Cobb County. And the reality is that in Cobb County, very recently, we have a lot of Nazis who like to come here and wave their flags around in front of synagogues and project Nazi slogans onto interstate overpasses. And for whatever reason, they think there's an audience for their hatred in this county. And so we have to be unequivocal in opposing that kind of hatred, right? It's very easy to be unequivocal in our opposition and condemnation of Nazis coming to Cobb County. And so because that is a local issue and because anti-Semitism is flourishing for whatever reason in Cobb County right now, that also made it very easy for me to vote to condemn Hamas and support Jewish people in Georgia. And also, again, acknowledge that, yes, there is a crisis happening in Gaza that we also need to talk about. As for the police training facility vote, you know, that also was a pretty, that one wasn't that hard. We have a really well-trained, really amazing uh, police department here in Smyrna. We have, you know, incorporated a lot of President Obama's 21st century policing initiatives over the years. We have, community policing is huge. Well, the Cobb Sheriff's Office, too. Right. And and, and we've had a major shift in the Cobb Sheriff's Office. And so we, you know, part of me is like, shouldn't everyone have public safety officers as well trained as what we have here in Cobb? And part of it is we do all want a better trained police force, right? We want to know that like if if someone at my home is in a crisis and I call 911, that the person who responds is trained to handle whatever that situation might be. And so we know we need that. And it is such a heated issue. It has become such an issue really beyond having anything to do with Atlanta, even at this point. Anyway, I was like, no, I I do support having a trained police department. And I do also believe in representative democracy. And I know that there are city council members and you know, mayor who were elected by the people they represent. And they have made this decision. And, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for supporting that representative democracy. Also, I mean, that goes back right, to look at how our Congresswoman Nakima Williams did not vote to expel George Santos because she's like, yeah, this guy's ridiculous and has no business being in Congress, but the voters put him there. I, there's this, that's a, we have to discuss that Which at another time because that's but, yeah. a whole, that's a, that's a, I had a lot of questions about that, but let's get back to this, those resolutions. I feel like those two were put on the table to make Democrats very, very uncomfortable, especially yes. with the cop city thing, because uh, there were a lot of Democrats who did take a walk and that is just, it's, it's such a can of worms that what you said is right and people have very big feelings about this, but where where even you just said, I voted yes, but. but and, yeah. So. Um, well, and let's talk about, I mean, and I don't want to get into the specifics of the Cop City stuff and all that because, I mean, I can argue both sides of it. It's that that's what's problematic about it. And plus, there's a lot more to it. I mean, there's some environmental stuff that's that's super 
important here that that seems to be glossed over. Um, And let's be clear, too, the training center isn't even being built in the city of Atlanta. Right. Um, So we keep talking about the city of Atlanta, but the people that it actually is going to impact didn't have the ability <laughs> to to vote for the mayor or the city council. But the commission, but they but they're the DeKalb Commission also voted on parts of this. Well and and so let's take that to the side for a second because now I and normally I'm all I'm all about that. But what a lot of voters have now done is they they have triggered the referendum process, right? Which mm-hmm. is part of our democracy, Correct. which is part of our representative democracy. So now that that has happened, you know, let the voters vote on this, right? And and ultimately, I, and I think that's why there has been this, this huge kind of rollout in terms of marketing and push. And I think there's even like a... Uh, some kind of super, some kind of pack that's been set up to do ads for it on behalf. I mean, I think the money is coming like uh, from Metro Chamber, from I'd the mayor. Sh- yeah, I'd be shocked if those, there wasn't. All of pack. those guys, right? But just, just win the messaging battle or, or, or actually talk about it on the merits because, you know, there there is a lot to unpack there. And so unpack it. Talk Mm -hmm. about it, right? Because I think that people felt like the initial votes, at least this is what I've heard, right? The initial votes were, it kind of happened and people didn't really know. uh, There was some, you know, there was some coverage, but people really didn't know the impact of it. And it's really kind of unfolded since then. Um, And then there's just been a lot of bad around it, right? Like Mm -hmm. the guy getting shot or or who whatever. And so it's it's one of those things where now just win the messaging war, right? I mean, and and win the referendum. Mm-hmm. I if, think if I think that's right. It, that's the appropriate thing. I think that's right because I think there's it, look and there's also outside forces from all over the country who are weighing in right. on this. Right. And people who uh, have strong opinions and they don't know the whole story and right. uh, and outside and agitators. Right. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So so it's it's just so clearly that was done to make you. It's like if redistricting and the maps weren't enough. Oh, let's just throw something else at you to make you uncomfortable. That was my takeaway. Uh, Absolutely. And to make people who actually represent these communities, right, have to to take a position. And a lot of them took positions that were contrary. Right? Yes, yes. And right. so, and that was the whole point. The whole point was, all right, now y'all have to, you know, now y'all have, you're pointing at each other. And, um, and that really is, is, is a, is truly a negative because at the end of the day, that situation with the training center is going to referendum. It has nothing to do with the state at the state level. And um, it was just pure politics. And you have to give it to the Republicans. I mean, they can sow chaos um, like no one I've ever seen. Well, Well, it's a lot easier to sow chaos than it is to actually get down to nuts and bolts policymaking. Right, right, right. Well, speaking of sowing chaos, I'm going to pivot here to Texas. And uh, I want to talk about Kate Cox, who has been a big story as far as, you know, in overturning Dobbs. And we've talked about this, all of us as women have said, the ripple effects of Dobbs, of the Dobbs decision is going to reverberate. And we're really starting to see that. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening knows 
about Kate Cox, who has a fatal condition of she's carrying a baby at 20 weeks, who is not going to survive uh, delivering this baby, not only keeping it to continue to carry it, couldn't could not only uh, risk her life, but could make her infertile. And this uh, a one court said she could get the abortion. Then Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's a crook and who was almost impeached, who's a rotten garbage human, the mo- one of the most corrupt politicians I, I, on earth, I would argue. Um, and the Texas Supreme Court said, nope, sorry, Kate, you can't get you can't get that abortion. And now she's going out of state to get it. This is I am so outraged. This thing, it, it's it's keeping me up at night. Um, and, and clearly, I'm wondering and I want to kick this to you guys. She is represented by a lot of reproductive rights groups. So when this is all done, she's be, she is elected to be the public face of this. She is going to speak out. I think, and there are several other stories. There's a woman in Florida right now. Uh, there, there's several of them. So let's discuss your, your, this is just really, it's, it's, it's crushing me. Well, the fact that she's having to deal with this and become the public face of this is, that's a tragedy, right? Like, I I, I cannot even imagine what she's having to deal with through, you know, going through all of this. But this is the reality, y'all. This is the reality of what it means to have people who are from afar and just making decisions for you and your family and your body and your life and your husband and all of the things. And, um, you know, I think this should be a gut check um, for every woman in this country and for anybody who's moving to Texas right now. Like the fact that, and I love Austin, but I will tell y'all, like, there is no way in hell I would move to Texas right now. No. Because the fact that they couldn't even let this woman access health care with what's going on with her, that they thought that they they have the power just to step in and, and play God is is absolutely ridiculous. She had been to the emergency room four times, apparently. Four times. Four times. And the rea- and also she had, because she had previous C-sections, she, if she, and you know, when you have the child is tri- trisomy 18, she could go into labor at any time. So if she goes into labor, she could have a uterine rupture. I mean, this was an issue with my, my second, because I, I knew that circumstances from the birth of my son meant that if I went into labor with my daughter, I could have a uterine rupture, which could kill me. And, you know, th- that's not good. So I had a scheduled C-section. Well, when you have a child with this fatal condition, you're going to go into labor at any time. She she could die. And what what I'm my takeaway from what I'm seeing happen in Texas with Kate Cox is that there aren't actually any medical exceptions. And when you have these Republicans saying, "Oh no, we have medical exceptions," just like they're saying here in Georgia, they always say, "Oh, we have all these specific medical exceptions." No, they don't. They don't mean anything. The medical exceptions are meaningless. So this is where you know because I've talked to a lot of. Republicans and a lot of men who are just like, oh, yeah, you know, like you guys always say, like, 
I, I don't, you know, I believe in pro-choice and, and I think this abortion stuff is ridiculous. But now it's, you have to, I think Democrats need to do a better job of making this personal. This is your daughter. This is your wife. This is your sister. Uh, this is a woman who is not like willy-nilly having an abortion. She has two other children. This is someone who wants to be a mother to her other children. She doesn't want to die. And now this is, I feel like we are going to be seeing these stories. I, I, I don't know. And, and, and I don't think that journalists press hard enough on this when they say, you know, when Nikki Haley is like, I'm pro-life, you know, let it up to the States. I don't want people to do it, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, well, she's got a daughter under 30. Okay, so does she want her daughter to suffer? Is your, you know, and I know you're not supposed to bring your kids into this thing, but I don't know. I feel like extreme times call for extreme measures. Well, I think part of the problem is, and I think Kemp was caught a little bit on a hot mic with respect to this last um, last time last time, the last election cycle. Right, right, right. When he was pressed on the abortion issue and, you know, he was saying something like, ah, Democrats, they get all hot and bothered by this, but if woman woman wants an abortion, she can just go to another state, right? That's literally what they think. And, no, that is. And in some ways, what's happened with Kate and in, in her having to go to another state just kind of reinforces that belief for them. But the problem is, being Kate Cox, right, who's having to deal with this, A, that's completely unacceptable. Um, she should be able to get care from her doctor. Well, but, the, but, yeah. but apart from that, what about the other women who are poor, yeah. <laughs> who, who can't just get on a, a flight and, and go see a doctor across state lines? I mean, it's it's absolutely, it's despicable. Right. Really fatal, yeah, fatal chromosomal abnormalities don't just happen to rich white women who have the means to travel across state lines to get health care. And, th- and the other thing that's lost, too, I mean, yeah, this is a woman, this is a mother of two, and this is someone who is in the midst of her own tragedy when you lose. Right. Wait, this is a pregnancy that she wanted. This is a baby that she had dreamed of, probably has a name picked out for it, probably started the nursery and started cleaning all the, you know, her other children's onesies and blankets to get ready for this new baby that she wanted to welcome into her life. And she has lost this child and the just absolute lack of humanity with in Texas and that monstrous Ken Paxton, who nobody in Texas wanted him to be there anyway. He was, he was impeached. I mean, it's, it, it is so stunning, the lack of humanity and the lack of empathy. And if the message isn't that the Republicans lack empathy and humanity, we need to revisit our communication strategy and dem- as Democrats because the message needs to be that the Republican majority lacks humanity and they lack empathy. Well, and look, the number one killer of kids is guns. All right. So if you're pro-life and you love babies and children, let's focus and keep it real here. And I am just I'm so tired of hearing from these saying, oh, but the abortion thing. Oh, well, but everything else is great. It's like, no, you got to be a one. You got to be a one issue voter here. And this is taking away the rights. And even though you may not be a deliverer of a child, it's going to be your wife and going to be your daughter. And I had heard Anna Navarro say this, who's on CNN on The View. You know, when you're going through a loss this tragic, when something like this happens, you want to be in your own bed with your own doctor, with your own family. You don't want to have to be in a hotel room or have to get childcare. The tragedy alone of 
having to go through. Like just what you just said, Terry, that is like that gave me the chills as far as like you're washing the clothes of your other babies to get it ready. This really makes it real. And to read that ruling from the Texas Supreme Court saying, you know what? Oops, sorry. Sorry, this is happening, but no thanks, sis. We're we're not giving it to you. It's just, so I I just, I'm so interested to watch this as we get into 2024 uh, and the presidential election. I mean, I really feel very strongly more women need to come out and talk about this even like much more intense because we can say that this wins elections and it's been very effective, but this is, it's not pro-life, it's pro-cruelty. It's, it's, it just is. So, okay, let's get into something more pleasant because we're both just like, ugh, I know. <laughs> it's just, it's really, it's it's really gut-wrenching. And I really, really feel for her. And I do think Kate Cox is very brave to be the public face of this. We need women who who, who are going. Uh, and she's going to be woman. interviewed, I'm sure, when this is all over because she's chosen to put herself. Well, and I can't imagine the vitriol that she is getting. Yeah. Having put herself out there, I mm-hmm. mean... The people on the far right of this issue are, it's disgusting. Disgusting. It's disgusting in disgusting. terms of how they attack women. And they, they truly believe that it's God's will that she die. That is, it's, yeah. Which is so twisted. Super twisted. All right, here's something else that's super twisted. When Jen and I first started the podcast uh, or early on, uh, well, in 2020, when, you know, a lot of stuff was happening. You know, Jen was going down to the Capitol and being confronted by Rudy Giuliani. But when she came home, she was making Watergate salad for Christmas. That's right, baby. <laughs> you can, you can. That's why I was mad. I had to stay for that seven hour hearing. I had to get ready for the holidays. I mean, you know. So I didn't know what Watergate salad was. And so it's been a running joke. We had New York Times Kim Severson on to talk about Watergate yeah. salad. And... Then today in the New York Times, as we record, there is an article that says Watergate salad makes a comeback by Amelia Nirenberg uh, because Watergate salad is making a comeback because it is a TikTok trend. And I am so excited because my daughter has always refused because anybody who has ever had Watergate salad knows that it is a mint green. And so it doesn't look like super tasty, (laughs) right? Like you're putting like Watergate salad next to your steak or whatever. It's not, you know, the mint green kind of throws you off. So my daughters refuse to taste it. So now though, I think I'm going to be able to actually reel her in with the TikTok kind of sensation. But everybody should try it. it. It really is good. So apparently, um, journalists became writing about the salad as early as 1973. It was catching on. Um, but then there's a quote that said, it's sort of like naming a salad after January 6th. Like, Trump takes over the Capitol and you name a salad after that. You could say insurrection <laughs> salad. salad. Maybe we should have one of those. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, yeah, I've never We had should it. all have some insurrection wings. Some ins- I mean, you know. <laughs> Oh we could come up with something. <laughs> we could come up with something. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's pretty gross looking. Um, actually, a shout oh, out to shut it, up. It, Mara, it does. It is it, awesome. It, it, it's like no, it, remind me of the ingredients. I feel like cream like cheese and or mayonnaise are involved. Pistachio pudding. Something I do like, you never thought you would ever have to buy. 
Oh, I maybe love pistachio pudding. you didn't even pudding. know it existed. <laughs> oh, I love pistachio pudding. No, it's delicious. Jello pistachio pudding. Lovely. Canned pineapple. Crushed. Ugh. It's so good. Ugh. See, and, and that's, I don't like marshmallows <laughs> and I don't like ambrosia. And so I think when I, when I like, did you, you can, become aware of, you can of leave the out the marshmallows. Also, you can convert it into kind of like, you know, the frozen strawberry salads, kind of of the same variety. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? No, yeah, you have you have to have a Tupperware mold. Like we call it a shrimp mold, but you also use it for your molded salads. Right, but they're frozen, and because <laughs> they're with cream cheese, they taste like they taste like I don't know. They taste like ice cream. It's it's. Yeah, this, you should you know, try it. It's kind of like that salad at the Swan House. Yes. Which yes. I don't love because of the, I don't like bananas either. But, well, um, I don't like that one. So, yeah. But I like mine. And it's funny because there's the strawberry salad. So you think it's going to be like a fresh strawberry, right? No, it's basically like Watergate salad. It's like strawberries, cream cheese, and you freeze it. And then you put it to the side of the plate. And it's like, that's the salad? It's like, I don't think that's a salad. It's, but it's very good. Well, it's it's so interesting to me how these things make a comeback because of TikTok. These retro food items are making a comeback uh it's it's uh, it's amazing i'm totally making it and i am gonna bring y'all some and y'all are gonna be converts i can't I'll wait, wait. I'll converts. Try it. i like pistachio pudding our for our our 100th episode which we're getting close to i'm ramping up i'm trying to like get, i can't even believe that I, so way. that's going to be coming up okay so watergate salad we covered that what are we raving about this week late who wants to go first I think Terry. Oh, my God. What am I raving about? I don't know. Uh, oh, good. Terry. <laughs> oh, I can tell the extra special session brought you down because usually you're so positive. No, of I course know. it brought me down. It was terrible. It was horrible. And Ollie's like, it's not personal. Anyway. Anyway, I got bows for my dogs on Etsy and I really like them. They <laughs> hook onto their collar and my dogs have these cute little bows and Christmas plaid and it makes me happy to see my dogs in their Christmas bows. Oh, that's cute. I like that, Jen. So what am I raving about? <laughs> I think that what I'm raving about... Okay, so I am having some college girlfriends over to my house. And one of the things, kind of like for a little Christmas get-together, holiday get-together, and what I've asked them to do is to each send me five of their favorite songs from college, and I'm going to make a playlist. Oh, that's great. I know. And oh, so it a is lovely idea. a range of items, I have to tell you, you know, like from R. Kelly's Bump and Grind, um, you know, Come on, ride that train. <laughs> Loser by Beck and any song by Alanis Morissette. So love it. It is a uh, that's what's making me kind of happy. Love it. Well, well, what I'm raving about is the perfect pivot from what you just mentioned because I am raving about the Millie Vanilli documentary. <gasps> it Ooh. is on Prime, and it was sort of a like a like. Oh, I wonder what this is going to be. And it happens to be excellent. There's so much about the Millie Vanilli. If you don't, if not familiar with Millie Vanilli, it's the two guys that won all the awards and became huge pop stars and they weren't singing any of the songs. It was a, a total At ruse. <laughs> but, but, you know, you sort of have empathy for them. It, it's just, it's, it's really, really well done. And it's just a, a like a moment in, in time and pop culture. And let's face it, those songs are frigging awesome. Girl, you know it's true. Blame ooh, it on the rain. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I mean, they're good songs. You can't deny it. 
No. All right. So next week, we are going to have one more episode as we lead up, and, and that'll be our final episode of 2023. So, uh, and it's, we're, we've already, we're going to do all positive stuff. It's every, there's going to be no negative, right? Did Ooh, we all decide on so that? <laughs> Normally that's easy for me, but I'm in a dark place. No, next week it's going to be all nice. Okay. Not, mm. or, or we could do naughty and nice. And, and, and then maybe we could talk about like okay. George Santos. Maybe and that's just Oh, it. that's good. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we, for every negative, there has to be a positive. It's almost like if you buy a piece of clothing, you should give away a piece of clothing, right? right? Let's right. keep it mm-hmm. balanced. Okay, yeah, right. right. I like right. the naughty and nice list. I like. Okay, that. fantastic. That's Ooh, for next week. Oh, a naughty and nice list. I like it. Okay, that's next week. Listen out for that. Thanks as always, Christina Loringer, for uh, being a great producer, and thank you for listening. Listen, if you could put, do a comment for for Christmas for us and Hanukkah, could you write a comment in the uh, and a review in the Apple Podcast and give us five stars or give us four if you. You just you look warm no, and fine. Don't no, don't give us four. So that's not it, an option. No, it does help other people find our podcast, and we are we love. Doing I will this. make you Watergate salad <laughs> if you give us five stars. How about oh, that? oh, and the, okay. And you you just heard it there. So we will talk to you next week. Naughty and nice. <laughs>